special episode of ESG Out Loud recorded live from COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh. It's the end of finance day today where we've heard all of the announcements or the lack of announcements and you can see all of our coverage on that on ESGclarity.com. But tonight I'm delighted to be joined by two experts from the PRI to digest some of those announcements and work out what they mean for the investment industry. So we're going to be talking about some of the reports that have come out today from the UN expert group and GFANS and some of the guidance from the TPT and then some of the developments in things like just transition and mobilising capital for developing economies. So it's great to have you both with us and let's get into it. My name's, uh, so I'm Rose Easton and I'm Senior Director for Global Signatory Relations at the PRI. Look, I think um, investors are probably trying to see how they can, you know, these, is this right that we're trying to drive ambition here for our signatories? Um, and the PRI really looks to try and help them do that in a number of different ways. Um, so uh, I think the support that we give them, you know, actually, if I can take you just back for a second, because we've been trying to hit with here at the moment in Africa, and I think it's really important to hear the voices of the signatories here, and there's been a lot of, um, we've actually been consulting with our signatories around the world, um, including in, in Cape Town and Johannesburg last week. And the key um, sort of messages from them is actually in order to be able to go sort of further and deeper and have greater ambition that this is what being asked of them, they really would like to have much more local policy support. Uh, and this is something that uh, potentially the PRI can help with, um, but it's something that's really important for them. Uh, and the second most important thing to come out from our from these investors is that there has to be a just transition in this process. Uh, so uh, we've obviously heard a lot of announcements and there's been a lot of talk here at COP all about the just transition. Um, and as you said right at the beginning, it is this is a COP more about implementation um, and how we actually go about doing this and how do we actually look at the different blended finance structures to and actually enable these investments. Um, yeah, and it does seem like today at Finance Day has been a lot about how to facilitate um, that movement of capital towards developing nations and things like that, like even more so than last year, right? Um, and like, as you say, we are here in Africa, so that makes sense. Um, so, so yeah, I guess that's another sort of key, key thing that's come out of today. The, the just transition is actually you know, embedded very much in the Paris Agreement. It's absolutely critical that um, you know if we're going to um, enable a transition to net zero, that we don't leave the people behind. So there needs to be proper funding into um, sort of mitigation, adaptation, uh, and um, you know investor community can really play a role in that when they're going around assessing the asset classes that they're looking to invest in and making sure that they really do their due diligence there from a, tra- a just transition perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So another report out today that people might be looking at um, is the one from GFANS, and GFANS have um, been quite active here today at Finance Day. Um, you know, also representing another bit of guidance um, similar to the sort of the expert group. There is a lot of guidance coming out. And um, what do you think investors should take away from what we've heard from GFANS today? Uh, Ed Baker, head of client policy at Fairlight. So yeah, I think at GFANS, I mean, obviously one year on uh, from their for an announcement uh, that there, I think there's substantial progress. Uh, I think what we see is there's a number of bodies coming out trying to have quite accountability to, to net zero. Uh, and so we've had the race to zero criteria. Now we have 
that from the uh, UN Secretary General and his high-level expert group. We're looking to take that forward on a regulatory task force. So I think accountability will be very important for uh, those with net zero commitments, but I think also it's it matters to have clear governance structures um, uh, within the alliance and within uh, other, other related initiatives. I think there has been some confusion uh, for some around, you know, if you're a member of the underlying alliances, are there sort of three tiers of governance structures? Who's actually setting the requirements for whom? Uh, and, you know, can we get to a point where those requirements can be put onto a regulatory footing, which is really what the uh, yeah. UN Secretary General was recommending yesterday. And, you know, I think we hopefully we could get there there are practical things that need to be done. So if you're going to have targets on things, well, first of all, you need to be able to have a methodology. Then you need to be able to have data. If you've got methodology and data, you can set a target. But if you, if you don't have good data, but you've got something of the methodology, you can also set a target. But if you've got no methodology, no data, um, then it's not going to be possible for mm -hmm. a reputable company to set a target, which stands up to scrutiny. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are, there are challenges, technical challenges there. There's obviously, you know, the feasibility challenge of uh, Net Zero 2050 mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and, that, and, and that, that's, that's another thing. I think you hear quite a lot of talk about, um, yes, we're all on board a transition, but, you know, we, it, it, coal, gas, gas plants is still a transition tool. So I mean, just potentially maybe the ISSB announcement yesterday of thinking about disclosure and thinking about data and, you know, the PRI are really pleased to be supporting this initiative. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, ISSB announcement is sort of another uh, thing. I'm sure that our readers will be looking at coming out today. Um, what can they kind of di digest or take away from, from the ISSB from COP, do you think? If you, whether you're looking at ISSB, whether you're looking at TPI, one thing we have seen that is a trend is it is a convergence in standards. It wasn't very long ago that it was a real risk that there would be consolidated fragmentation with different approaches taken in certain jurisdictions and then different approaches taken by yeah. ISSB. So we feel that risk has very much been reduced, and I think the you know the ISSB and FRAG appearing on sort of the same events today for that level of cooperation. Uh, and it also reflected in some of the changes to the regulatory proposals. And it's strongly welcomed by investors because this was a real concern that yeah. uh, we might be heading down a route of uh, sort of increased cost for, for doing the same thing, more right. or less. Uh, I think also TPI for me, it was interesting about that was when they published their interim reports, uh, I think they had 13 elements and GFANS had five pillars. Um, and so there was a bit of a worry, well, oh, <laughs> is this going to happen again? Mm -hmm. But again, it looks like that they've been sympathetic to um, uh, to feedback and they have kind of recalibrated what they were doing. So it, it, it basically um, docks together a lot neater. Mm -hmm. I think that's important from going from one country to another country. Right. Um, yeah, the sort of an outbreak of common sense um, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and cooperation, cooperation. is welcome. Yeah, definitely. Um, and moving on to other kind of baselines um, that can be transferred across countries, groups, etc. Um, we've heard a few things from IOSCO uh, here as well. With regards to carbon markets, I, I think it's, it's still it's still in a situation where off offsetting is probably not the first port of call um, when it comes for companies meeting their climate commitments. Yeah. Rather that they should look to reduce emissions first, um, uh, then 
then kind of default to offsetting. I mean, we still see that quite common in the corporate sector uh, and for some industries, yeah. uh, airlines, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think there could be work that can be done in terms of improving uh, offsetting the, 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 the credibility of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not a simple conversation. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So I think the last thing I wanted to talk to talk about then was the um, TBT uh, gold standard again announced today. Um, your thoughts on that, and then just anything else that you you kind of found from your experience here, and what um, you think uh, our audience, professional investors, would would take away. I think I think the TBT point I've sort of sneakily already yeah, yeah. brought in, um, but, but but I think. Uh, without having looked in in, in, a, in a particular detail, we do see that there's a positive development from the UK government mm-hmm. and, and the FCA, uh, so that that's 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 to be welcomed. Um, but I think on the wider on the wider points as well, I think it'd be good to kind of get Rose's reflections on what COP this year means for the for the broader region yeah. uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, I think, you know, back back to the just transition, because I do think it really does feel like one of the key themes that we're hearing here. And as I say, we're hearing from our investors as well. Mm. Um, And I think really, you know, in order to affect this transition in the right way, uh, it has to be done through, it can't be done through divestment. It has to be done through engagement. And so one of the things that the PRI does to support its investors is through the work with Climate Action 100+, where we work um, with our investors to help support them on engaging with the world's largest emitters. That's really important that we do that. I think the next thing we need to do is ensure that um, our investors uh, actually continue to fund and remain invested in the countries that need to transition um, so they don't get left behind in this. Mm-hmm. And one of the key ways is by retaining their investments in emerging markets. You know, we're in a real risk-off environment right now for investors. Right. And one of the most easiest things for people to do is to say, we're going to come out of emerging markets to reduce our risk. This is a, you know, a real call to those investors to not do this. This is where the money needs to stay now. It's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And sort of great point about the, the just transition. I guess people have criticised the speed um, of which the transition will happen if you're kind of um, taking some of that approach. And you see Climate Action 100 Plus has come under some criticism for its perceived lack of uh, effect as well. So um, what would you say to some of that? I would say that engagement is a slow, long, important process that isn't going to happen overnight. Uh, and, you know, just as uh, we're hearing fa- such fantastic ambition from signatories um, across the African region, still setting themselves climate plans, but those climate plans are just going to look different to perhaps those from developed markets. Uh, the pathway to, to net zero is not going to be linear. Um, it's going to have more of an S-shaped curve. It's going to just take longer. And that top bit of the S is really that engagement process. You've got to continue to invest in those fossil fuel companies and those emitters to in order in order for them to have the funding to be able to then develop the renewable technology alongside this and also to fund the training that's required to reskill workers as part of this just transition. So this is really important. What would you say to people who um, are sort of want to invest in emerging markets but are not seeing the opportunities they need to be investable 
um, for their types of firms, that kind of thing. Or I mean, maybe they're just using that as an excuse. But I mean, you know, you do hear that quite a bit that yeah. there's solutions out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the classic solutions are emerging markets, sort of uh, different sort of maybe blended debt, so you're not fully exposed to the country, uh, currency. So there's hedging mechanisms there. Uh, you know, equities, again, it's, it's making sure that you're using uh, a, a diversified pools of, of assets to reduce that risk. Uh, but it's also ensuring that you're doing your due diligence with the investment managers that you choose, that they are integrating E, S and G properly into the way in which they're selecting their, those companies and that they are crucially engaging with those companies properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, just finally, um, what are your kind of takeaways from from your time here so far? I mean, is it the third, fourth day? Um, how are you finding the conference? Are there any interesting um, discussions you've been to, anything you weren't expecting? I, I think you end up gravitating to the things that you've started to pick up. So I've ended up focusing and been going to a number of the sessions around, obviously there was the JTEP um, announcement yesterday at the South Africa uh, Pavilion. Um, you know, fund, funding that deal is really, really important. Um, so look, I've, I've ended up sort of following uh, the South Africa route while I've been here. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm a former 91 employee. Um, and so I have spent a lot of time with that fellow South Africans um, listening to this story very carefully. That's my personal takeaway. Um, I think the final thing I would just say, um, just on this, there is a, a talk and thinking about COP28 in UAE. Uh, we have just placed um, a, a, someone based in Dubai very specifically to be there between the two COPs, really to ensure that we start to try and drive change and ambition within the Middle Eastern region. Okay, thank you. And yourself? Uh, yeah, I, I think um, I, I think you know expectations are pretty low, really, weren't they, a few yeah. days ago? I'm not saying they've been exceeded, but one thing that strikes me as coming around here is there is substance actually to quite a lot of discussions. I've been struck that it's not just the usual suspects that have detailed country pavilion programs, but it's some of the other countries as well. Um, I noticed particularly some of the major Asian countries that last year was pretty sporadic, frankly, um, but this year they have much more in-depth content. And I think that's a reflection of the fact that they have more to say. Um, and so I think that's a positive sign. Uh, uh, and I'd also say that I think there is a lot of attention on what's happening outside uh, the conference that's, not, that's relevant to this conference. Um, so for example, uh, the news today um, uh, about uh, what, you know, what's happening in the US, but we don't know yet. I think it'd be premature to comment, but um, let's see. Uh, and then there's more to do in Brazil. So I think you know, we could find ourselves uh, where, where expectations are super low, um, uh, but actually, um, uh, you know, a, a, a positive outcome on climate is still possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, a positive note to end on as well. So thank you very much for that. And uh, yeah, thanks both for joining. Thank you. Thank you very much. Find us on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for ESG Out Loud.